The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. This, I don't know what you want to call this one, you go back to the 80-20 rule or just routine or something. But um, as I was talking about earlier, like for me, the breakfast, right? I, based off tracking it for the first couple of weeks, I realized like what breakfast food was going to fill me up the most, give me the most protein, whatever, while being easy enough to dose for. Um, and then similarly with, with dinners too, because I did the first couple of months I was diagnosed, like I I didn't try to stop eating before I went to bed and then I would have higher numbers overnight. Um, so I think those two anchors of like having those, uh, those set meals that, you know, you can handle set me up a lot better for success on that day and that week. And then right again, allowed me to enjoy, I don't like calling them the cheat meals, but allows me to enjoy the non-routine meals a little bit more because I didn't feel bad when I was eating it. Pizza on Friday night with my friends because I knew that Monday through Friday, breakfast, dinner, I was really good at. Um, it it made me just realize that like you're going to have to do what you can do. And I just realized that like the battles of every day trying to dose for random things, like I'm sure I would get the hang of it for certain meals, but it would just add so much uncertainty to my day. And then I would have the ripple effect of, right. Like if I decide to have this new crazy breakfast, I might enjoy it. But um, if I don't dose for it correctly, that was going to throw the rest of my morning off. That was probably going to throw my lunch off. And then you're just kind of playing catch up for the rest of the day. So I think that just like helped me help me just get a better grounding and not think of it as like three meals every single day that are going to be wild cards and like how do I dose for them all? It was more like I knew I had breakfast and dinner handled relatively well. So then I could really focus on lunch and be like, okay, this is the one where like I really need to put my attention to and and try to manage it versus like trying to survive breakfast doing that than just trying to survive lunch and continuing. I think having some sort of consistency to your nutrition is important. So for example, if you're having three or four meals a day, not that 
all of those meals need to be exactly the same every day. But if you have at least one or two of those meals that are relatively consistent throughout the week, you're going to do yourselves a lot of favors in terms of tracking your food, but also in terms of your blood sugar itself. And you touched on the morning there specifically, AJ. And the vast majority of the time, morning will be a difficult time blood sugar wise, because naturally nine times out of 10, our insulin resistance is going to be a lot higher in the morning. And if we're loading on sugar, loading on more carbohydrate at that time and our resistance is higher, we're going to be a lot more inclined to see quite erratic and unpredictable blood sugars. So simply having a predictable meal, like you said, AJ, in the morning and at night, you can make the start of your day easier and you can make your overnight blood sugars easier, which in turn, as we know, have an impact on your morning because if you wake up feeling good, feeling energized, being stable blood sugar wise, the day is completely different to if you were sleeping through the night at 15. And Will, Will has just said, that's where the 12 or egg breakfast comes in, question mark. Yes, 100%. At Will, that was like one of my first concerns I had heard him mention on the podcast. And I was worried that like he was going to suddenly have me on like week two trying to have a 12 egger on <laughs> no it's uh it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be advisable to be getting everybody to eat 12 eggs for breakfast <laughs> okay love that aj do you have number three uh yeah and this yeah. i'll tie this back in a little bit but um just a sense of like how awful my diet was before i legitimately thought i was becoming lactose intolerant like before diabetes and everything and it really, now looking back, was just like I had an awful diet. Um, and it was a lot of beer and like just crap food. And like that probably wasn't good for my digestive tract overall. Realizing now when I'm on the program and tracking what I want, like I was not lactose intolerant. I have plenty of that stuff now. Um, but realizing like how good a well-balanced diet uh, could have on your body was was huge right i was also not a big breakfast person before this um i was like a two cups of coffee and just kind of make it to lunch type of person and realizing now that like oh i have a really good breakfast with stuff that keeps me full right i used to roll my eyes when people would say breakfast was the most important meal of the day and now that i've done it i realized that like oh i am a lot more productive in the morning and i'm not just kind of fighting to make it to lunch um that, that was a huge thing there. And then I don't know if we want to include this in nutrition, but I don't know where else to put it. I did stop drinking. Uh, it started a little bit before the diabetes, but then I just kind of kept it going after the diagnosis. Um, in that where I don't like talking about it because I know we're all in different places there, but uh, that has just been huge for me in terms of like having a better diet. So right, not drinking means that like, late at night, I'm not going to go out and get that crap food. Most likely it makes what I eat the morning after a lot better too. And it just helps with the training, the working out, the management, all of it too. So I don't know if I will continue it right now. I'm just kind of seeing how long I can keep the streak going. But for me, especially at my age, I never would have thought that was a possibility. Um, but it's, it's been a huge change and it did not have the social impact that I thought it was going to have. Um, 
So it, it, it transformed everything. Can I ask AJ, even just on that, what sort of fears did you have before stopping drinking? And do you feel like you had kind of built up those fears in your own head? Cause you touched on um, like the impact that it might have had socially, but quite clearly it hasn't. Yeah. I mean, that was the, biggest one I thought was I what was I going to be doing at bachelor parties what was I going to be doing at weddings um or just at the bar on a random Friday night I think I totally built it all up in my head and right I have also had friends in the past who weren't drinking for one reason or another and I never thought anything of it so why in turn I built it up in my head that my friends were thinking bad of me I don't know um but uh no, I, I had no impact on my social life. I think I honestly, it probably go out more because I am not hungover or whatever. I can stay out later because I don't feel bad late at night. Um, I still get invited to all the weddings and bachelor parties and things like that. I still am able to go to work, happy hours and events and galas and things. Um, so, right, I think a lot of it was in my head. Um, but I think it was just a good reminder that like, no matter where you are, in your life, you can do that. And I think, honestly, I think it gave me more confidence. Um, right. I will say that like at the start, it was pretty hard to say that sometimes to people, but um, being able to be in those situations and overcome it and then like continue it month after month has, has totally helped with the confidence there. Love it. And I think that's a, it's a difficult one, you know, because people have, a like a, a different relationship with alcohol or different reasons to drink but the reality of it is it's it's never going to be a beneficial thing to your health and and as a result as you say yourself aj even from your own experience you're less inclined to make poor food food choices you're you're less inclined to feel like shit in the morning you can go to all of these events and and still enjoy yourself but not have the downsides as much so i appreciate you sharing it Diabetes, what we're all here for. What are your what are your top tips or lessons from your experience up to this point, AJ? Well, I definitely still have a lot to learn here. Um, the biggest one was learning what worked for me in terms of management. So right when I started, I was on the pens and doing injections. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get on the Dexcom relatively quickly. So I didn't have to do a ton of finger pricks. Uh, so again, I think this is all personalized here. I just learned in my experience that like I, I needed to get on a pump relatively quickly. I just knew I wasn't as comfortable whipping out a pen in the middle of a work meeting if I needed to, or if I was at a, a work dinner or a event or something like that. Um, and then I knew that that was going to lead to, to worse outcomes in my management because instead of taking care of a blood sugar as it was going high, I was probably going to wait until a more convenient time for me to go to the bathroom to give myself a shot or something. So I got on the Omnipod relatively quickly. And that has like transformed my management, being able to give doses when I'm in the middle of a meeting and no one knows what I'm doing on my phone. Um, I, I don't think I would be able to have the time and range if I didn't have that. Um, and right, I, I recognize that's totally personal. Now I've actually met someone else who like, I see them give themselves shots all the time in public. And like, that is awesome. And I, I love that for them. 
I just knew me personally, I wasn't going to be able to do that. So I think just recognizing that like, that's going to be okay. And vice versa. Like if you don't want to be wearing a pump, realizing that like, you don't have to, you can do the pens. Um, but like, it's truly just whatever I think works best for you and not just like what you're seeing on diabetic Instagram or things like that. 100%. And like we constantly reiterate inside the program, your diabetes is unique to you. You know, your your family commitments, your work, your your schedule, your routines, how you feel about certain things, your opinion of certain things. These can all influence how you manage your diabetes and even the tech that you choose to use. So even right now, the two people speaking are me and AJ. We both have the same condition, but we both voluntarily use completely different types of tech because pens suit me better pumps suit aj better there's no perfect fit it's what's important to you what you benefit most from so you can change it if you if you have to if you want to if you want to try something different always have an open mind to that i think i heard you say this on a podcast or something but um realizing that like I don't have much experience with other diseases, but I think realizing that, especially with type one, like you are allowed to, and you're probably encouraged to, to do what works best for you. And right. I was always someone who just like took the doctor for their word and everything. And I still do, but um, realizing that, like, I think it's very unlikely that most type ones are going to be able to go into a doctor and listen to their doctor hundred percent and get the outcomes that they want. Um, and if that does happen, that's awesome. But um, I think realizing that like you do kind of have to advocate for yourself, which was really hard for me at first. Um, and that like, I think that's how you make the leap from like just surviving with this to like actually thriving and being able to, to work in your, in your lifestyle. I was actually having a conversation with somebody else in the program yesterday about going into those kind of clinic meetings or diabetes team meetings or endo meetings, and they can be extremely daunting and intimidating. But when we have that that confidence around our own management and what we know and feel works best for ourselves, it's it's easier to go through those sorts of appointments and it's easier to ask questions if questions need to be asked. Because if we have endos or diabetic teams that are meeting with hundreds and hundreds of patients, we're all going to be different, you know? So having that understanding and confidence is important going into those sorts of appointments. Number two, AJ. This is going to be a cheat, an easy one, but uh, free bolusing. I think that like, again, there's no way to like get around this. I don't think I've ever heard of another diabetic who can, have the results they want to have without pre-bolusing. Um, so I luckily right Owen and others helped expose it to me early. So I just kind of built it in. Um, but I think, right. Thinking of that as like a non-negotiable is the biggest part there. Right. I think of it as like, I need to wear my insulin pump. Like there's no way around that. I kind of think is pre-bolusing as the same thing. Like I need to do it. And I guess, right, recognizing that, like, if you're in a situation where you can't, just recognizing that, like, the way you're going to have to manage that meal is going to be very different than how you might normally manage it. And, right, I guess then 
having the confidence to to do that right so i don't think any of us recommend it but um realizing that like if you don't pre-bolus you're probably gonna have to give more insulin and like just being prepared for that versus not pre-bolusing giving what you normally would and then just like dealing with the consequences forever um so yeah i have a little apple watch and i just set like a 15 minute timer on the lock screen so like i just give myself a dose i hit the 15 minutes i try sounds better now like in this meeting than in practice but like i try to do other things during that 15 minutes mm. whether it's like literally like wiping the counter down in my kitchen or doing anything else around the house like i try to be productive during that 15 minutes so that i'm not just sitting there like staring at my food until i can dive into it so that works better in theory than in practice but um I try to tell myself to like be productive during those 15 minutes. So it's like, it's helping me manage that meal and it's helping me in other aspects of my life. Pre-bolus is one of those things that just, in my opinion, can't be ignored. And it's that 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it might be for you, before your meal that will save you so much energy, effort, time and frustration over the next one, two, three, four hours. Nobody actually wants to pre-bolus, but having it as that non-negotiable is so important and will give you so much clarity around your ratios, will give you so much clarity around how you're actually responding to certain types of foods, and it will just keep you a lot more stable. And we all want to be as stable as much as we can, all right? So there, there's very few times, in my opinion, that you can't pre-bolus. And I'm going to add in there carb count because carb count and pre-bolus are the two kind of core fundamentals when it comes to managing your diabetes consistently. And a rule of thumb that I always stick by and you should always try and keep in mind is do both. If you can't do both, at least do one. Because you will rarely, rarely be in a situation where you can't carb count and you can't pre-bolus. Now, it can happen from time to time, but if you can't carb count, I'm sure you can pre-bolus. It saves you a lot of time and a lot of effort. So nice one for highlighting that again, AJ. No one might edit this out or whatever and write insert disclaimer here about medical <laughs> guidance. But um, what I do is like, if for some reason I'm not in a position where I think I can give like a confident pre-bolus, I try to get some insulin going. Um, and I find that like, even just that, is enough where like it might not work as well as if I did a full pre-bolus for 15 minutes, but at least makes the situation more manageable so that like I will likely have to continue to fight that meal a little bit, but it's a lot better than if I had pre-bolus nothing. Um, so right, I think of that as like at restaurants or something, if I'm not totally confident when the food's going to come out, I might give myself one unit or two units so that there's like something getting going. Um, and I think of that as like, instead of right keeping me totally in range where if I did a full pre-bolus that might keep me at the upper range where like that's easier to bring down than if I done nothing and it's 250 whatever a high high blood sugar would be and that's obviously a lot harder to bring back down once you get it up there hmm. and even just on the the topic of kind of restaurant food that can be a difficult time because we we can never be 100 certain of when the food actually comes out and as a result we might not want to pre-bolus 
But even with that, what we can do is if we get a plate of food and have some part of that meal that doesn't require insulin, when the food arrives, you can look at it. You can say, oh, I think this is what I need. This is the insulin dose that I need. You can take your insulin and then use the time it takes you to eat the food that doesn't require insulin as your pre-bolus time. So for example, if I'm eating a burger and chips, if I order a small side salad with that, the burger and chips can arrive. I can say just by looking at it, okay, mm, this is the insulin that I think I need. And then even if that side salad takes five minutes to eat, five minutes pre-bolus is better than zero minutes pre-bolus. All right, so always look at how can I slightly twist around this situation to benefit my bloods as much as possible. AJ, number three. Final one, again, we touched on this a little bit. I think it would just be situational awareness. Um, so, right, you could factor this into like the pre-bolus calculation and the carb counting, but um, just like thinking about where you are on that day, that day of the week, whatever it is. Because um, right, as we said that like, all these meals are different. Um, how you are in that moment is going to be different. So, right, I think, and I think I wrote this on my check-in form like two or three weeks ago. So pretty, pretty long into the program, but like, I still struggle like to really remember like, oh, I just did a workout this afternoon. So like, maybe I don't need as much insulin there. Um, but just thinking of it beyond the carb counting, beyond uh the normal dose that you would use for that meal or whatever, but like taking the extra five seconds to really think like, oh, is this a day where I Ubered into the office? So I didn't get my steps in this morning. So maybe I should be prepared to give more at lunch or something. Um, or like it's been raining all day and I literally have not left my apartment. Dinner is probably going to be harder than if I had been running around all day, getting in 10,000 steps, things like that. So I think it's easy for us to get like stuck in the the minutia of like the day-to-day carb counting what it should be um, and not thinking about like where we are in a broader scheme of like that week uh, specifically. Yeah. And I think that kind of ties into zooming in and zooming out, you know, and we actually did a training, I think it's called zooming in and zooming out, but it's about how when we're focused on just, exactly what's going on right now then we don't have the full picture so for example if i'm sitting down for dinner and i'm completely zoomed in on my dinner and i say okay i need five units of insulin if i don't yet zoom out and look at the bigger picture over the next two three hours i could experience a low in those two or three hours so for example if i'm going for a walk or i'm meeting a friend let's say after dinner for for a walk like i said I need to zoom out when I'm taking my insulin for my dinner and say, right, I'm going for a walk and I'm going for a walk within the next two hours. So maybe I need to adjust my insulin to accommodate for that walk. And even with that, going through all of these different things, it can sound as if like there, there's loads of different things to consider. And the reality of it is there is loads of different things to consider, but what we're all here for is to really pay attention to all of these things and to really understand and acknowledge how we are impacted by all these various 
aspects or, or all these variables when it comes to our diabetes management. So that when we become more aware and we become more confident of all of these things that we're talking about, over time, it's just automatic. That's what I constantly go on about in this program is that automatic management. You know, like these things that I've paid so much attention to over the last 11-ish years, I'm making decisions like a lot of other people in this program. I'm making decisions without even thinking about it. And you're making these adjustments without thinking about it. So it can seem like a lot when we kind of break it down here, but just having the awareness of these different variables puts you in a much better position moving forward. So that's a good point, AJ. Anything, anything else on uh, diabetes specifically? Uh, no, but I do have something at the end whenever we're ready. Okay. And let's see what you have. I would just love that. Like, right. I, I have picked up so much from the group uh, and I recognize that I'm still less than a year into this. And a lot of you have been living with this a lot longer than I have. So I would just love any feedback from you guys about things you might think I'm not thinking about or right. I'm a big, like, uh, right. I got the, whatever the phrase was about, like, I was going to need that insulin regardless, whether I had diabetes or not. Any other things that you guys kind of think about on a daily basis that helps you? I'd love to hear from. Yeah. Let's open up. If anybody has even any questions for AJ, or if anybody has any insights or experience that they have felt benefits them that could benefit AJ, because even though we have AJ here on a hot seat, there are people here who are 20 years diagnosed, 10 years diagnosed, 30 years diagnosed. And we all may be in different points in terms of how confident we are with our management, but we always will have something to offer each other. And that's, again, the beauty of the community, the beauty of the group, the beauty of these sorts of calls is the fact that we all have different experiences, but any experience that we have can be massively beneficial to somebody else. So does anybody have something to, to offer to AJ? Say something. Yeah. yeah, that was really great. Thanks for all the tips. You're doing amazing. Um, it's very inspiring, especially as you're like a year into your diabetes journey to see how much work you've put in in such a short time. It's very inspiring. Um, just to add, I would say something... Um, you mentioned at the start about that um, everybody has something and that's so true, but to cut yourself some slack as well, because type one diabetes is shit <laughs> and it's really hard. And yes, everyone has something. And obviously some people have things much, much worse, but just you're in very early days. I have diabetes 20 years now, 20 plus years. And to mind yourself and to mind your mental health, um, because it's um, <clears throat> it's not something that's going to go away and it's going to be something you're going to deal with every single day for the rest of your life, which is, you know, on, on any given day, it might be fine with it, but day after day, year after year, it can start to grate you down. And I think you've made amazing decisions and choices in the last year just to watch your mental health as well and, to check in with yourself every now and then be like, how am I feeling about this? Like, this is a bit shit. And I think having a community and group was something I haven't had over the last 20 years. And I found it amazing. 
in the last few months in the group and it's been huge and I think it's great that you're starting off with that now um but that's just something I would add that diabetes like long-term illness any long-term illness you need to watch your mental health as well and uh and mind yourself and cut yourself some slack um that it is hard and that you're doing a great job so I just want to add that after your great talk yeah nice one Aideen I appreciate that and I think even with that it's and you you perfectly explained it it kind of grinds you down you know and even again from my own perspective like if i sometimes think of the the long 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 term that's where i can get, kind of get overwhelmed so for me what i find to help myself is like if i am getting overwhelmed of what am i going to do when i'm 80 years old you know who's going to be carb counted <laughs> who's going to be who's going to be uh given insulin and these kind of things but for me i like to just break it down into the short term and just think about what's in my control right now that can serve me in a positive way so that I'm not kind of getting too overwhelmed. But Aideen, it's a really good point to bring up because it's an inevitable, I suppose, an inevitable difficulty with diabetes, the the kind of mental strain that it can it can have from time to time. And if you can almost preempt that I think it's easier to deal with if and when it occurs, you know, because we're all going to go through different periods where we're super burnt out with our diabetes. And the last thing in the world we want to do is carb count and pre-bolus and, and all these different things. And, and that burnout we may experience in different ways. But if we can almost be aware of it in advance and acknowledge the fact that, yeah, look, it's inevitable from time to time. When it does happen, we've already kind of prepared ourselves and said, well, look, I was expecting this. You know, how can I keep the ball rolling with something as small as drinking water or going out for a walk just to keep ourselves ticking over, if that makes sense. Anybody else have anything they want to share or add? Any insights or experience from their own diabetic life up to this point? Yeah, I suppose I'll just chime in here um, thanks so much, AJ. That was brilliant. Um, it's so in, so helpful to like hear your tips and tricks. And I now I've had a I've had it eighteen years now. And um, yeah, I, like you've done a great thing joining this community because I, I you know up until I joined in February this year or March I should say um, I didn't have I didn't know any other diabetics and I didn't really have the support system. So you've done such a great thing just starting your journey so early. And I think, as Aideen said, do mind your mental health, because I found as the years have gone on with it, it's become more and more like, you know, I suppose it is about your mental, your mindset. But like I found up until this point that it was just draining and um, repetitive. And um, sometimes you just feel like you're, you know, out of out of your depth a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, just to mind that. But also, um you mentioned that you're one year in <clears throat> and another thing that completely took me by surprise was um, about a year or two after my initial diagnosis, I kind of came out of what they called the honeymoon phase. And um, the the honeymoon phase then means that your requirements for insulin will kind of just start creeping up. And um, I found, you know, I had like my first year I was, you know, excellent. And then for no reason, everything just started 
going crazy and you know they said you know that's the honeymoon phase finishing so just to be mindful of that because I think you might be coming up to that time now as well yeah it's definitely something to be aware of and even with that it's like the honeymoon phase can can be a tricky one you know because some people I've heard of, of folks being in the honeymoon phase for like five years and then other people who don't experience it at all and for me I think like, was it like six months in for about six months, I was going through my honeymoon phase, my honeymoon period where I was only taking like a minuscule amount of long lasting insulin and I wasn't taking any fast acting insulin and my bloods were still like nicely level. Now I didn't have a CGM, but I was checking my blood sugar and I was just consistently in range. And I remember thinking, what's everybody complaining about? <laughs> this is easy. You know, you don't really have to do anything. But then like, like Emma has said, over a random period of time, because it can be random and unpredictable, you will steadily start seeing your numbers creep up. And as a result, your insulin requirements creeping up. Now, because AJ, you're paying attention to all of these things so much already, um, you will notice any changes if and when they occur. They may not, but um, because already you're you're so confident of all of these things, coming out of the honeymoon phase will be inevitably a lot easier for you. Because I remember coming out of mine thinking, Jesus, what is going on here? Why am like why am I requiring all this insulin? Why are my bloods just randomly so high, even though everything has been the same? But it's your pancreas finally kicking the bucket and uh saying goodbye. So just just be aware of it and be mindful of it. Um, but really good point to bring up, Emma. I appreciate that. Anybody else like to share anything, ask anything, or are we all set to go? I just want to be nosy now and ask, what's your job, AJ? Because you said it was quite <laughs> stressful. <laughs> I, do, uh, I do political work here in the States. Oh, okay. um, so we just finished up an election. So things are actually pretty quiet right now. But... Um, Things were pretty crazy this fall as we as we went into it. I actually have a question for you on that, AJ, and it's kind of even relevant given the time of year that we're in, you know, and we've spoken about it a few times within the program around like this time of year, specifically more than any other time of the year. Things are hectic for a lot of people, you know, whether it be work, family, getting ready for the holidays, nights out, drinking, whatever it is. And as a result, it's a lot more difficult. And again, on top of that, it's darker, it's colder. It's probably raining if you're in Ireland. So it's more difficult to be consistent with these things than it is during the summertime or when work isn't as busy or when holidays aren't coming up. And I'll, I'll actually bring it up. AJ, remember you had messaged me a number of months ago saying you wanted to leave the program because you were going to be so busy in work. So do you want to tell us a bit a bit about that? Because since that time, even despite how busy you have been, and I know we kind of changed the program around a lot to, to accommodate for your, your workload and your routine. But since the time that you kind of put up your hand saying, I want to leave, you have made probably your most progress. So do you want to tell us about uh, how that shift was? Well, yeah, I don't want to, 
I don't want to characterize people without fully knowing everyone's situation, but I, I get the sense we're all good people here and that we're all probably pretty selfless and we give a lot to our friends or our family or our work, whatever it's going to be. Um, and I think for me, staying in the program, especially when things got crazy, right? It was like a great experience lesson of like doing something hard. You knew it was hard in the moment. And I knew that looking back, I would be glad that like I kept up with the workouts and the nutrition and everything while I was in a busy time of my life. But um, I think the other thing that it really reinforced was like, I was better for my coworkers, for everyone around me when I took the time to work on myself too. Um, so right for a lot of my life, I would just run myself down. Um, I wasn't taking care of my health, probably my mental health as well. Uh, and I thought that like, by just giving that up, I would be doing more for the others around me. Um, and I think doing the program, stepping back, like I was more present with folks because I was feeling better because I took the time to get that workout in. Um, I think like, right. It helped with, uh, my like anxiety or my frustration. Like I used to get so wound up at work and right, especially with my job where you're reading stuff in the news all day long and on Twitter. And I think I know for a fact that like I did this work for years before I was diagnosed and before I started the program, I know that like by just committing to doing those workouts, it, it put me in a better mood by like doing those steps and right. There are times where like I would block off my calendar to go for a walk in the middle of the day. Um, Cause I was worried about getting in the amount of steps. Like I know I came back to my job and I was more present after taking that 15 minute walk. Um, so I think it took me a second to like realize that that wasn't being selfish um, and that it was also not just helping me, but helping those around me too. Um, and then just like any of us doing our workouts, like, I'm not going to lie. Like it wasn't fun to do 5 a.m. workouts or 10 p.m. workouts after work, but being able to look back at the end of the week and be like, all right, I worked an insane amount of hours this week, but I also know I got in those workouts um, and I kept tracking my food and things like that. It felt really good after the fact and while I was doing it. And now it's just like another proof point that like, no matter what crazy thing is going on in my life a year from now, five years from now, I know I can look back and be like, wow, I was able to stick with Owen's program while doing this crazy job mm. and make it all work. So I think that will give me confidence moving forward and whatever pops up. I think an important, and I appreciate you being honest and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head with it. And what's important for us to remember is when our life gets hectic and chaotic and you know, things are going on with family, things are going on with friends, things are going on with work. And we feel as if we were super stressed and overwhelmed. Nine times out of 10, the first thing that feels the influence of that or the first thing that takes the back seat when these things around us are going on is our own personal standards, is our own kind of decisions around good quality food, sleep, exercise, stress management, just being aware of these things that benefit us. Because the first thing that we retreat back to when there's chaos going on around us are our old habits and our old routines. But during those stressful times and during times like, like Christmas or the holidays coming up, 
where there's so much going on, that's actually the time when it's more important to pay attention to our diabetes. It's more important to get our workouts in. It's more important to eat good quality food and get good quality sleep because it's needed more around that time because it, it benefits us more when we're stressed. And the last thing in the world we want to, we want to have biting us in the ass when there's so much chaos going on around us is our diabetes. We don't want to be fighting more highs and more lows as a result. So, um, yeah, nice one, AJ. Appreciate you, you sharing that. Right, guys, we've now gone on for about an hour and a half. I've really, really, really enjoyed this. Uh, AJ, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing your experience up to this point. And even from like a very personal level, and I know we have a very personal relationship since you've been in the program, um, everything that you have done and, and continue to do is massively inspiring. Like I've been living with diabetes for 11 years. You are worlds ahead of me within your first year of diabetes than I, than I ever was. So you should be massively proud of yourself and, um, to for you to be as confident and to see the results and the progress that you have done that just comes down to you and your work ethic your consistency your honesty and how you have just shown up for yourself over the last 10 months so i'm extremely excited to see you continue to progress and continue to see unbelievable results because you're an incredible person and we're delighted to have you in the program so thanks so much thank you Owen. thanks all of you for taking time on a wednesday to be here